This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. This, this is part three of our series, You Asked For It, and for those of you who haven't been here, every, every year we do, it, we do this series, and uh, we, we build this series around questions or topics that you said that you wanted to, to hear about, and, and we, we get those topics during our Easter service, the Easter survey we do, and so uh, we've talked so far. We've talked about you know to know what's my purpose. What did we talk about last week? Do y'all remember? Stress, how to deal with stress, and and so the the third topic that we're going to talk about, and and I'm kind of combining two things, is you know how to deal with difficult. People. Anybody ever have anybody difficult in your life? Don't don't look over at your husband or your wife. Don't do that. And how to how to deal with difficult people? And so you know we've all had difficult people in our life, and and that's just that's just the nature of life, and it's the nature of relationships is that sometimes there's going to be some difficulty, and uh, and so we, we think that. That, you know, if, man, it just, God take the difficult people out of my life, but if God took the difficult people out of your life, there'd be nobody in your life. Because everyone at some point is difficult, right? And, and so the difficulty can be, it can be by degree, it can be to a, a very small degree that somebody's difficult, or it can be to a very great degree that somebody's difficult. And so the, the, just the fact of the matter is, is that there, we will always have difficulty in relationships. There will always be times where things are just difficult. And we think that we want it the other way around where everything's just rosy and, man, everything is just perfect harmony. But you realize this, you'll never develop in some areas in your life if there's not conflict in your life. If, if, there's, no, if there's no pressure in your life, there's not going to be any development in your life. And so... Uh, you, you think about, I mean, I'm, I'm not into all the little cute phrases and everything, but, uh, you know, you hear these little cliche things like, uh, there's no testimony without a test, right? Well, it's true. <laughs> Unless you're tested, you're not going to have a testimony, right? So it, it's important that we, that we face difficulties right, and it's important that we deal with difficult people in the right way. And this is what you just need to know right, right up front, that you are a difficult person. <laughs> Some, sometimes you're difficult. I'm not talking about you. So, so sometimes, sometimes you are the difficult one. And so, well, nobody's ever told me that. Well, whether they've told you that or not, you are a difficult person at times. And then there, you have difficult people in your life. And so how do we deal with that? And so that's, what, that, that's why you see on, the, on, on your notes title said, How to Forgive difficult people. And so I, I think the, the, you know, we could talk about all kind of things. We could get into a lot of psycho babble and about, you know, dealing with people. But how many of you know the word works? The word, the, the word of God works when we work the word. When, when we put the word of God into practice, it works. If we don't put it into practice, doesn't matter what we do, things are not going to get better permanently. They'll just, they just, you know, they'll, you'll just cycle through some things and you won't get any help. You, you won't grow at all. So it's important that we go to the Word. What does the Word of God say? What does the Word say? And then let's do it according 
to the Word. Can you say amen? amen. And so uh, we're going to talk about forgiving difficult people because this, you know, you, you, cannot, you can't control who is going to be difficult and when they're going to be difficult. But you can control this. You can control your response to difficult people. You can control whether or not you forgive someone, right? That's completely in your power. That's completely in your control is to forgive or not to forgive. And so we're going to talk about forgiving difficult people. But I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, source of un, the source of unforgiveness and, and we're going to get more into this, but the source of it or the source of having a need to forgive somebody, it can come from a number of different places. Uh, you can be betrayed. How many of you know if, if you were betrayed? Jesus was betrayed by Judas, right? And so you, you can be betrayed, and, and being betrayed is one of, the, you know, one of the, the most hurtful things that could ever happen to a person is to be betrayed. Or you, you can have somebody just speak false accusations against you. Again, that's, that, how many of you know that could be difficult, right? And, and what do you want to do when somebody speaks falsely against you? You want to get them back, don't you? Right? They, they're going to they're gonna do something to put your candle out. You're going to be sure you're going to put their candle out too, right? You, you, you're gonna, you, you want to get back. Or it could be, you, you know, maybe it could be abuse, whether it's physical, mental, sexual abuse. Uh, and so these things, I mean, you, you, it's something that could just sink down and lodge into your heart. Unforgiveness and a, and a bitterness. I, I, I remember one time someone had done something to me. This has been... A number of years ago now probably I don't know 10 years ago and and uh, really really just falsely accused me before you know somebody that I, I really respected and it was so hurtful and and it went from being uh, it went from being hurtful to you know a process of just being bitter against that person and so whenever I heard this person's name something supernatural came over me and it wasn't the anointing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, anytime I heard this person's name, something just came up in me. And, and this just this, maybe it wasn't a hatred. Maybe it was close. But it just something came up in me. And I, I just I couldn't stand to hear this person's name. And, and, and the Lord, he just dealt with me. He said, you know, every time you hear this person's name, um, Something just springs into action in your life, and it affects you, and you need to forgive. I said, well, I thought I had. <laughs> he said, obviously not. <laughs> and so now today I can say, you know, man, I, I can hear their name, and I can, I can laugh about the good times. Amen. Amen. And that's when you know you've made progress. Right, so it could be uh, something with a you know uh, uh, abuse, or it could be you, you were humiliated. Somebody humiliated you. So some of these things are these are uh, they're, they're just they're the source of of your frustration and the difficulty and where you need to forgive people. So I think before we talk about how to do this, we need to talk about what forgiveness is not, because so many people are confused about this. 
what is forgiveness? You know, if, if you forgave me, then you wouldn't, and fill in the blank. And so a lot of people just don't know what forgiveness is, and they don't know what it's not. And so I think it's important that we really find out what forgiveness is not, because I think there's a lot of confusion here, and, and it's what really keeps people in a state of, of maybe they think God is condemning them, that they're not right with God because, you know, certain things haven't happened. So if you want to write this down in your notes, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the, the offense. You know, if somebody does you wrong and, and then they come to you and, and they talk about it and you go, oh, it's no big deal. Or perhaps it was a very big deal. How, how many of you know that falsely accusing someone or betraying someone is a big deal? Yes. Was it a big deal when Judas betrayed Jesus? Yes. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And so it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. And, and here's a big one. Forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust. Have you ever heard this? Well, if you really forgave me, you would trust me. <laughs> you ever heard that? If, if you really forgave me, you would trust me. No. Well, you have to trust me. No, I don't. No, no I, I don't have to trust you. You know, God forgives, but that doesn't mean he trusts you. You ever read scriptures like that? He that is faithful in little will be given much. Well, how come you're not given much? How come you're not given much in the beginning? Because the Lord doesn't trust you with much in the beginning. He's got to find you faithful and trustworthy with the little before he gives you more. And so people say, well, if you really forgive me, then you would trust me. You, or you, you have to trust me. You have to trust me. No, no you, you don't have to trust someone who has done something wrong against you. You don't have to trust them. All right? Forgiveness is given. It's a free gift. Trust must be earned. It must be earned. That's why, you know, in, in, in relationships with husband and wife and, and perhaps something happened, there was infidelity in, in the marriage and, and the one spouse forgives the other spouse, but this building of trust happens over time. And so we'll, we'll tell people in marriage counseling that have gone through something like this, we say, look, if they call you 15 times a day asking where you are, you got to be okay with that. <laughs> well, why don't they trust me? Because you were stupid. <laughs> and they're not quite convinced that you're not going to be stupid again. Y'all listening to me? <laughs> All right, so 
trust, it has to be earned. So if you break trust, you know, it's, if you break it, I'm just telling you, it's hard to get it back. It's hard to earn it back. It takes time. All right? Uh, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. It's not just resuming the way everything was without changes being made. You know, the, the word repent means to change. It means to change. So if somebody has, if they say, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, are you sorry you got caught? Or are you... What are you, you sorry? We, thanks for the apology. We need some change. We need some repentance. We need some change. Are you listening? Okay. So I, I want you to turn them, if you would, to Matthew, the 18th chapter. And this is quite a lengthy portion of Scripture. And we're going, we're just, I'll make some comments as we go through it just to break it up a little bit. But then we're going to go back and unpack a couple of things out of here. But in Matthew, the 18th chapter... And verse 21 says, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, why would, why would Peter stop Jesus and ask a question like this? Lord, how often... Am I supposed to forgive somebody who offends me? Evidently, Peter had somebody in his life that was evidently, consistently doing him wrong. Or else, why would he come to Jesus and say, hey, how often do I need to forgive this guy? Seven times? Now, you, if you look at this, the context of this is one day. Has anybody ever offended you more than once in one day? I just saw somebody do their husband like that. Don't. <laughs> so... Peter must have been dealing with somebody that's very difficult. I mean, they were just constantly offending him. I mean, so much that he was just so frustrated. I mean, you know Peter got frustrated, right? Yeah. You know that, he, and he had a temper problem? You know that? Yeah, Peter did. Saint Peter. <laughs> he, he was, he was a, sometimes he could be ill-tempered. And so, but he said, Lord, this person keeps on offending me. How many times do I have to forgive them? I mean, you can see it's frustrating. How many times do I have to forgive them? I, you know, I wish we could, I wish we could hear the tone when, when Peter comes to Jesus. I wish we could hear the tone in which he's asking this question, Lord, how many times? Seven? Is that enough? Because I've done that. Can we get on? Now what do I do? You remember one time Peter, he said, what, Lord, you want me to just call down some fire out of heaven? 
You, you remember him saying that? It's probably this guy right here. <laughs> and, and what did Jesus say? He said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. So he's saying, is seven times enough? And Jesus said, not seven, 70 times seven. Y'all pretty good at math? 490 times in a day. Wow. And I'm sure at that point, Jesus, I mean, Peter's head just kind of dropped. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this. And Jesus probably saw Peter's head drop a little bit. And he went into this discourse in verse 23. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, by today's standards, that would be millions of dollars. Owed him 10,000 talents, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. So you can't pay, you're going to sell your wife and yourself and your children into slavery. You're going to sell them as slaves, and then you can pay. And the servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Equivalent of, let's just say, a million dollars. Just forgave him. Just wiped it off. Had compassion on him and forgave him. But that servant, the one that was forgiven, the one that just got forgiven from a million dollars or more, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So it'd be like, it'd be like millions of dollars versus a couple of thousand dollars. Owed him a couple of denarii, and, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. That's the same thing this guy just said. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and they told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, to each of you, if he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know, unforgiveness is a big deal with God. Unforgiveness is a big deal with God. Now when I read that, I'm thinking, how 
how in the world can somebody who has just forgiven so much not forgive somebody so little? And you know, I think that's the whole point of the story. And I think it was going back to, to Peter's head dropping and, and when he heard 490 times and his head drops, and I think that's the whole point of the story, that Jesus is saying, there is absolutely no way if you and I had a revelation of how much we've been forgiven, could we withhold forgiveness from someone else. Amen. There, there is no way if we, had, if we had any idea, if we had any kind of revelation of how much we've been forgiven, could we withhold forgiveness from someone else? That's the point of the story. And that's why Jesus told the story. And that's why he told the story in the presence of Peter. Because Peter was having trouble forgiving someone so little when he had been forgiven so much. Amen. Have you been forgiven? Some of you, you, you've been forgiven of things that are just unmentionable. So let's keep it unmentionable. But you've been forgiven. Is that right? And because you have been forgiven so much, you are to forgive the difficult people that are in your life. Who come into your life. Right? Yeah. We, we are to forgive. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to look at a scripture with me. And this scripture, it, it confused me for a while. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, this is Paul writing. Y'all know who Paul is, right? He wrote majority of, you know, the New Testament, the letters to the church. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul's calling himself chief sinner. Everybody wants to be the chief. I don't know anybody who wants to be recalled chief sinner. <laughs> Other translations said, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. This is, this is Paul talking about himself. Now, I don't think Paul was living in a constant state of condemnation from his past sins. But I think Paul was living in an awareness, in a consciousness that you know what? I've been forgiven a lot. And then you, and, and, and because of recorded history, we can go back and see some of the things that Paul was forgiven of. He was an enemy of the church. He would have Christians thrown into prison. He oversaw Christians' execution and torture. I mean, just horrible, horrible things. And he said, hey, I've been forgiven a whole bunch. We want to talk about sinners. I'm the worst of them all. I am chief sinner. 
I, I am the, I'm, I'm the chief sinner. I'm, I'm the worst of them all. So when, when, it came to, when it came to others, Paul was better acquainted with his own sinfulness than anyone else's. He, he, was, he was better acquainted with his own shortcomings, his, his own sinfulness, than he was someone else's sinfulness. You ever notice how we, we want to judge ourselves according to our best intentions and everyone else by their actions? Y'all ever do that? Well, I didn't mean to. That's not what I meant. Huh? We, we, don't, we want to judge ourselves by our best intentions. We want to judge others by their actions. And so Paul was more, he was more acquainted with his own sinfulness than he was others. I mean, I think that's uh, powerful. When, when Paul thought about the need for mercy, he didn't think of others first. He thought of himself. He said, I, I'm, I'm chief sinner, number one. And I think it's important that you and I, we realize this. And I'm not talking about we're, we live under this sin condemnation that we're always thinking about our short and, and we're, we're so unrighteous and, you know, we're not worthy. That's not what I'm talking about. When it comes to you and I and us dealing with people and offenses in our life that come from other people and forgiveness and unforgiveness, we need to be more mindful of us first needing mercy. When we think, well, they need some mercy. No, I need some mercy. We need to be more aware of our own sinfulness than we do someone else's sinfulness. Is that right? We need to realize how much we've been forgiven before we try to criticize others who've wronged us. All right. We need to think of ourselves first a sinner, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, first a sinner, and secondarily, sinned against. Does that make sense to you? We got to realize, we're, hey, we're, we're, in, we're in that same boat too. We have a need for mercy. We have a need for forgiveness. We have a need for it, right? Sometimes we're the difficult people. Sometimes we bring the offense. All right, so, uh, so let's talk about, now, now that we understand that, hey, you know, we, we need forgiveness just as much as anybody else. Yes. Let's talk about how to forgive. Now, here, here's the deal. If we're going to forgive people, you cannot consult your feelings. <laughs> when, when you make a choice to forgive someone, you can't consult your feelings. Because you can have, and, and, and it, depending upon the offense, there's sometimes that, boy, you're going to have some feelings. Everybody say feelings. feelings. You're going to have all the feels, but they're not the good ones, right? It's, I, mean, it, it's, I mean, there's going to be all kind of things going on. And so the first step is when you forgive by faith, 
And there might not be very many feelings. All right? So here's some keys to forgiving. Number one, I, I, just get somebody in mind, because everybody in here, you got, there, there's somebody. <laughs> there's somebody who's wronged you. There's somebody who's offended you. There's somebody who's done something. Uh, get, get that person in your mind. And when you, when you say this, don't say their name. Because that'd be horrible if they're sitting next to you. So number one, I will forgive without condition. I will forgive without condition. Now, now what does that mean? I mean, I've heard this. I've probably said this. Maybe not out loud, but maybe these were the thoughts running through my mind. I will forgive them if, if they do this, if they do that, I will forgive them if, if, you see, that's forgiving people on condition. Let me ask you this. Were you forgiven conditionally? Now, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, right? And so the forgiveness that's been extended to you and I was without condition. The the, the forgiveness that was extended to you and I from the Lord was without condition. He didn't didn't wait for us to straighten up. He, he He offered the forgiveness. Jesus shed his blood for your sins before you sinned, right? So we, we, we offer this forgiveness freely without condition. Number two, I will forgive whatever their name is. I will forgive them in advance. Now, now what does that mean? Forgive them in, the, in advance. Well, are we to wait for people to ask us to forgive us? What if somebody does something to you, and you're just, boy, you're just stewing over it and said, well, I guess if they ask me to forgive them, well, then I'll forgive them. Is that the way we're supposed to do this? Do you have to wait for an invitation to forgive someone before you forgive someone? Y'all aren't thoroughly convinced. Well, if they ask me to forgive them, well, then I guess I will because the Bible tells me I need to forgive. But nowhere in the Word of God does it say that we're supposed to wait for someone to ask us. When when Jesus forgave us, did he wait and ask us? No. No. He's extended this. Now, we receive it by faith. We receive it. So uh, I will forgive them in advance. I'm, I'll just forgive them in advance. I mean, they don't, they don't have to. You see, there's a lot of people, we got these conditions. We, we got these little things. Well, if they do this, if they ask me, 
well, then I'll do it. But they're going to have to ask. Because I'm not going to forgive them if they don't ask me. They're going to have to come fess, fess up that they did me wrong. They're going to have to come admit to me that they did me wrong. And when they do that, and if they say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, then I'll forgive them. But if they don't do that, I'm not forgiving them. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Have you ever been wrong before? I, me too. Me too. So we're, we're to forgive them without condition. We're to forgive them in advance of them asking for it. And then we are, I will forgive them because I need forgiveness. Do you ever need forgiveness? I mean, at least once, twice a week, do you, do you need it? Or 14 times a day? I mean, I don't know what it is with you. But do you ever need forgiveness? Yeah. Well, so if you need it, you need to give it. Right? I mean, over in Matthew, what, what, did he, what was that last verse that we read? So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In, in James, the, the second chapter, verse 13, says this. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Is unforgiveness a big deal? Yeah. And you see, you got to understand, you, with, you and I, when we, when, when, we hold un, when we withhold forgiveness from someone else, we're not hurting them. We're hurting us. We're not locking them up. We're locking ourselves up. And so if, if, we, if we need mercy, if we, if we need forgiveness, we ought to be dishing it out liberally, freely. I mean, in, in great abundance, we ought to just be giving it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to trust them. Just because, and, and, and some people, they'll say, well, you, you said you forgave me. You said you forgave me. You're right, I did. Well, then don't you have to trust me? No. But I'll be glad to allow you to earn your trust back or earn my trust back. I'll be glad to allow you to do that. So I've, I'm going to forgive you without condition, but there's going to be conditions to you earning my trust. And here they are. <laughs> now, they might not like that, but you know what? That's okay. So here's the conditions. If you want to earn my trust back, here they are, and you just lay them out. Yeah. You lay them out. Thank you for that good enthusiasm there. That's great. No. Uh, so how many of you want to move on with God? I mean, you just, you just want to move on with God. You want to, I mean, you just want to be always just, 
always just being, you know, man, just in his presence and experiencing him. Well, we got to forgive people. You, this unforgiveness will eat at you. It, it'll, it'll, it'll just eat at you. And pretty soon they're, they're just, it'll, it'll take root in your heart. And then this, this root of bitterness would just begin to spring up and, and, and then everything, just, you know, just like that person I was telling you about, everything, when I heard them name, it's just, all I could remember is just, all I just remembered is that one instant where they just, they just did me wrong. Every time I heard their name, that's all I saw is how they did me wrong. I, I never saw, I never remembered all the good times we had. I never remembered all the laughing. I never remembered all, all the just the, the funny, nutty stuff, good conversation. I didn't remember any of that. All I remembered was the bad. And that's what a root of bitterness will do in your life. And it'll keep you captive. So this person, may, they may have already gone on and, and you know, repented before God and, and uh, you know, and moved on down the road. And, and I'm back here just still stewing over it. Unforgiveness will hurt you. Yeah, but if I forgive them, it's like they're getting off the hook. <laughs> Isn't that what happened to you? <laughs> did the Lord let you off the hook? <laughs> did he? I mean, isn't that what he did? Did you have to pay for your sins? Did you have to pay the, 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 the price for your sins? Did you have to pay the consequence for your sins? No, what happened? He let you off. He let you out of prison. He didn't make you pay. And so if he didn't make you pay, we don't need to make others pay. We don't have to hold them. Amen? So everybody say, I'm going to be a forgiver. So how, what, these, these difficult people in your life, and there will be many, and they'll say things, and they'll be insensitive, and They'll ignore you, and they won't pay attention to you, and they'll say things about you, and, and it could even be to greater degrees and, and worse things, and they're going to do all these things. What, what are you going to do? Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> forgive them. I forgive them. You know, sometimes you just need to play dumb. The Word of God tells us to be simple concerning evil, concerning bad. Somebody throws an insult at you, you just, you just act like they just paid you a compliment. And on the inside, they just insulted me. But I'm going to just I'll say, well, well, thank you. You're, wow, you, you got a new hairdo. They look at you funny. You know they don't like your hair. So, oh, well, thanks. I'm so glad you like it. <laughs> you just being simple, and it'll, it'll put them back on their heels, right? And so you got to just be simple and kind of, you're not naive, but you kind of act naive. <laughs> right? 
and just let it go. What, what does the word tell us? That love in 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say? It doesn't pay any attention to what? A suffered wrong. How do you do that? Well, you know you've been wrong. So how can you not pay attention to a suffered wrong if you don't know that you've been wronged? You just choose. I'm going to let that go. I'm, I'm going to just let it go. I'm going to smile and get along. Amen? Amen. So can we do that? Yes. Th this will make your life better. This will make your home better. Anybody ever have to forgive anybody in their house? Anybody? Anybody in your house ever difficult? Oh, what's wrong with y'all? Not in my house. Not, not at all. Amen. Hey, here's the good news. Jesus has forgiven us of so much. I mean, he, he went to that cross 2,000 years ago when he laid his life down. And, and he, he took up... All of our sin, all of our wrongdoing, all the penalty of it upon himself. And he, he died in our place. And, and he rose again on the third day to give us life. Amen. Amen. And so that we can have a right relationship with God. And look, before we leave out of this place today, I just want to make sure that everyone in here is in a right relationship with God. And I don't want to just assume that you are, uh, you know, because you're at church. I went to church for years and I wasn't right with God. I mean, I even kind of liked church, but I wasn't right with God. And so just coming to church is not going to make you right with God. Having a personal relationship with Christ, which is your choice, makes you right with God. And so I just want to make sure everyone is in here is in that place with him. So before we leave, let me just ask you a question. If you were to walk out of this building today and suddenly your heart stopped and you died and went into eternity, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And here's the thing, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's already paid the price. He's already made the provision so that you and I don't have to go there. But we do have a choice. And so we'll have to make the choice. And people have all kinds of reasons why they think they'll go to heaven. And, you know, a lot of people just think they're going to go to heaven because they think they're going to go to heaven. Right? And, and I'm all for positive thinking, but nowhere in this book does it say that if you just think positively enough that you're going to go to heaven. A lot of people think they're going to go to heaven because, you know, they've been in church just like I was for years. Well, I go to church. I believe in church. It's not enough just to believe in church. You can be in church and not be in Christ. And so just going to church is not going to save you. People think they're going to go to heaven just because, you know, they, uh, they believe in God. I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus, but I wasn't right with him. I wasn't in a relationship. Jesus is going to say, he's going to look at some people who believed in him. And he's going to say, hey, depart from me. I didn't even know you. I didn't have a relationship with you. And so it's a personal relationship with him. So if you're going to be right with God, you have to do it his way. Jesus, who is God, said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, you must be born again. All he was saying, hey, you gotta, we, we got to come together. And it's your move. It's your choice. You have to come to me. You have to come into a relationship with me. I stand ready. I'm standing at the door knocking. 
And if you'll just open the door, we can come together on this and we can, we can unite and, and you'll be changed into a, a brand new person. But you've got to come to me. So if you've never done that, I want to pray for you. I want to just ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around. Look, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but just right there in your seat with an uplifted hand, I'll be glad to pray for you and pray with you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're in here and you don't have a relationship, maybe you go to church, but you're not in a relationship. Maybe you believe in God, but you don't belong to God. I want to pray for you. So I'm going to just count to three, and when I do, just lift your hand. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand in the back. Awesome. Looking across the room, all the way from my right to your left. Anyone? Anyone else? Thank you. All right, let's everybody, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Just pray it from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Make me brand new. From this day forward, with your help, I will serve you. Amen. Amen. And everybody pray this with me. Say, Father, I will be a forgiver. Amen.